Welcome to episode 221 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Chikizi Ijiasi. He's a designer currently working at Google on the Daydream team. Uh, before that, he was at Nest. We had a great time catching up. But before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsors for making this episode possible. First up is our friends from Fuse. Fuse is back. They're letting you build native iOS and Android apps with less code and better collaboration. This is a team that's been thinking about how the way we build products hasn't really changed that much in literally decades. And it's a problem. It's a problem. Everyone spends their time like the design process as it is today ends up wasting a ton of time in just like creating things that cannot ever ship. And then there's the handoff process, which leads to inconsistencies and bugs and things breaking. And then there's the actual shipping things process, which is different between all of your platforms. Mm-hmm. And and it's just a nightmare to go through this entire range of, of tasks that it takes to ship a product. And so Fuse is thinking about all of these things. And what they've built is a cross-platform component-based UI engine that lets you build real iOS and Android apps with less code. It lets you collaborate with your team in real time with uh, on-screen simulators and real time testing. It runs on Mac and Windows, so anybody can use it. And what you're building compiles down to actual native code, so you still get all the performance benefits of writing native applications. But it's a nice component-based syntax, similar to something like React or whatever, but it's called .ux. It's their design format, but it's all text, which is fantastic. I love that so much. They have a ton of examples of things that have been built on their platform with their products at FuseTools.com. You should go check them out if you're interested in building apps on your own. Basically, the way I think about Fuse is instead of spending time learning another prototyping tool, you can just learn Fuse and build the real thing. Uh, If you are working with a team and you want to change the way you collaborate together, ideally build better products faster together, uh, Fuse has a pro plan called the Fuse Professional Plan. And that comes with a product called Fuse Studio, which is a premium editor and workspace that makes it easier to work with Fuse projects. Fuse Studio looks great. And if you're working with a team, it might be just what you need to make it easier than ever to build applications. You can try it out for free. If you're ready for the professional plan, use the promo code DD. That's for design details at checkout. And that's going to give you 70% off of a 12-month plan. Uh, That code's going to expire at the end of the year. So get on it while you can. Move it or lose it, people. Move it or lose it. If you don't use it. Or fuse it. (laughs) Refuse it. We're huge fans of the problems that Fuse is solving. The way they're going about it, Fuse Studio looks amazing. Uh, Spend your time learning how to actually make apps with less code. It's great. Go to FuseTools.com, check them out. And again, if you're ready to upgrade to the professional plan, be sure to use the promo code DD. Thanks once again to Fuse. And our second sponsor, Webflow. Last week was a big one for Webflow. They launched Interactions 2.0. It's got a cool website. It's got a real cool website. Very neat website. Uh, Go check it out. Webflow.com slash IX2. They're building tools that let you basically design entire flows and websites without looking at code. Yeah, you don't have to worry about designing a static mock with all this dummy data. Instead, Webflow gives you intuitive visual interface to build responsive websites with real content, with engaging interactions, and now with uh, Interactions 2.0, scroll effects and parallax effects, and you don't even have to touch a line of code. I think you can scroll jack users' experiences with no effort. Yeah, tastefully. That's on you. Basically, (laughs) 
they've added an entire new layer of interactivity and animation, which is gonna make your website feel more alive and doesn't add any additional complexity to building the dang thing. Webflow is a perfect example of the power that comes when you wrap really technically complicated, powerful tools in a great UI that makes it easy to compose components, uh, have them all work together, be responsive, work with real data. Uh, they've made it incredibly easy. You should check them out. Again, that's at webflow.com. And if you want to see what they've been working on with Interactions version 2, go to webflow.com slash IX2. Thanks once again to Webflow for sponsoring the show. And with that, let's get into episode 221 with Chikizi Ijiasi. Awesome. My name is Chikizi Ijiasi. I am a designer that does many things. <laughs> All right. Hmm. hmm. Very big. mysterious. Very big and mysterious. Talk to me about these things. These things. Well, um, when I'm not designing VR uh, games or not games uh, experiences during the day, uh, <laughs> uh, do not call them games. Do not people. call them games. That is demeaning to my work and craft. <laughs> they are experiences. They are apps. <laughs> um, I'm either playing games at home uh, or I'm making music or both. I actually, uh, like to, uh, multitask. Uh-huh. Um, wait, 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 playing games and making music at the yeah, same time. Yeah, it's actually, I've actually started to multitask and working and making music at the same time. Um, so creating theme songs for my work. There must be fun. some incredibly powerful music making software you use <laughs> in order to multitask. Oh yeah. So it's just a late <laughs> software program called GarageBand. Um, <laughs> It's actually uh, quite easy to use. I actually kind of kind of like it, um, especially for the people that have never ever been in a band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it has never... everything I need: the garage, yeah, yeah. The, the drums. The... <laughs> it's just a garage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, it's good. It's uh, it's actually really nice. It's really easy to make music, um, mainly cinematic type scores because I love like the Hans Zimmer stuff. I love the um, wow. yes, done, done. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of strings a lot of percussions but um it's interesting trying to make like uh uh some of the more cinematic scores that we hear and love but also add some kind of african flavor to them so obviously i'm looking forward to what the soundtrack sounds like for black panther Mm. um i'm so excited for that movie yeah that movie is gonna be amazing i almost don't even want to see it because it's just living (laughs) in this ultimate level of hype i just want it to be this thing in my mind for the rest of time It, it looks incredible and everyone's been talking about how like all the like cons since Mm -hmm. the uh the cosplay has been insane from this movie it looks incredible right right yeah the what since cosplay the cosplay oh people who like dress up and go to conferences and stuff i know that but i thought you said (laughs) since did you say since cosplay since cosplay since the trailer came out. Yes. I thought you were talking about synths, like uh, music. And, uh, oh, music synths. Our pal Jordan Obi looks like <laughs> uh, Jordan or Michael B. Jordan in the trailer. Uh, is oh, basically yeah. wearing a Jordan Obi outfit. Yeah? Oh, nice. Pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I actually haven't watched the latest trailer, so I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm with you. Are you <laughs> oh, a, are you so a trailer avoider I, like me? So traditionally, no. I actually have an entire music. Uh, YouTube playlist of a hundred and maybe twenty trailers that I just love. It's too many. But that is the one trailer I will not watch because I don't want to be spoiled. I want to know nothing about it. It was actually what I did with the uh, Blade Runner, and I actually enjoyed it more. Yeah, I even went so far as to not see the original movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's actually, one way to do you know, it. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even see the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. It's What's beautiful. A, <laughs> what is a de- a Deckard? What is a Blade Runner? <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's always been like a weird question. Like they tell you it mm-hmm. at the very beginning of mm-hmm. the first movie, and then it's just like 
why why are the replicant police called Blade Runners? Yeah. Cool name, I guess. That sounds <laughs> sick. It's <laughs> a good name for a movie. I love seeing sequels without seeing the originals. Tron, mm. uh, Star Wars. I actually never saw Stop. the original Star Wars Hang before on. I saw the new Star Wars. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Like the yeah. original. The original. I never saw, what is it, four, five, six? So did, did the you movie see one, two, make three? Sense. I saw one. I saw Jar Jar Binks before oh, I saw no. Darth Vader. Damn it. Oh, no. <laughs> well, at least it only gets better from there. <laughs> Pause the recording. It's time for Star Wars. It's time to watch Star Wars. Yeah, I can't say that I even really remember what happens in the four, five, and six. So uh, did you watch Rogue One? Uh, barely. Did, okay, but also, say, yeah, The Force was, Awakens is the yeah, big one. Yeah. Yeah, I watched Rogue One like half asleep. So I remember, yeah, I don't really remember that much from that movie. Um, the music, at least. Come the on. music? I'm pretty sure it's good. Iconic. Yeah. Do they still use the same type of score? Yeah. Ooh. But maybe it's, I don't think it's the same composer, though. Yeah. I definitely saw but the- John Williams. There we go. John Williams. Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> I love John Williams. I actually love uh, the Star Wars stuff and how it sounds just like the Jurassic Park stuff. Uh, <laughs> same dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know. It's like I, I actually struggle when I like listen to the Superman soundtrack and the Jurassic Park soundtrack because they all sound like the same to me. Have you heard the YouTube video that's uh, the Jurassic <laughs> Park theme with a the melodica? Because no. it's the best shit. I <laughs> yeah. recommend. Everyone needs to look this yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Jurassic have. Park melodica done. All right, it's great. Holy shit. Okay. Tangent tunnel. Uh, <laughs> so you make music. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Play games. What Play are you working games. on right now? Yeah. What do you work on? Uh, so during the day, obviously, um, designing on the uh, Google Daydream team. It's a lot of fun. Great team. Great UX team. Um, really fun product to design for. Um, I love that it's affordable, so that's always fun to do. But at night, though, I obviously change it up. I play the games <laughs> that I like to design around. Um, and while I'm doing that, you know, obviously making the music, uh, watching TV, and occasionally being inspired to do some character design of my own. Ooh, like um, what? But as I've learned from the industry, it's really, really, really difficult to design uh, characters and to rig them and animate them and uh, design them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I've, I've actually, I don't know, I've just like uh, using GarageBand to try to make music. I've actually used oh, some very unorthodox. Say I'm using GarageBand to do my character design. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. The tool <laughs> kind of sucks for this. I don't know. The How physics the rigging eyes? is terrible. <laughs> How do I make the eyes? Uh, I'm actually using Sketch of all tools to design Stop. my characters. Stop. Yeah. Are yeah. you? Wait, oh. really? Yeah. I'm using oh, no. the, the pen tool and Sketch. I'm. I've gotten so get comfortable out. with it. That's that the I'm, worst tool in Sketch. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten so good. So I I basically set up a base uh, skeleton um, and then I just add like clothes on top of it and I can manipulate the the vectors at will. Uh, and it's actually become like quite easy. And the things that you've actually seen on my phone, uh, for those listeners, uh, you can see my phone. Um, this is very good audio content. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you'll peer through your speakers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's actually... Um, uh, quite easy for me to make the characters. I tried using tools like um, uh, Blender and Cinema 4D, but um, there's obviously a learning curve, and I'm still trying mm-hmm. to work that out. But uh, Sketch is actually quite nice because I, uh, I don't know, I'm just comfortable. I use it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I'm like making new designs and stuff like that, I'm making stuff during the day and I use it at night. You're doing daydream, daydream stuff in Sketch as well. Yeah. Is it yeah. mostly UI? 
work? Yeah, mainly uh, UI, uh, what we call uh, virtual screens. Okay. Um, so whenever we're making UI in 3D, we uh, generally start with Sketch. We make all of our UI there. Mm-hmm. And then we bring that stuff into Unity uh, where we just flesh it out. Um, and that's where it gets interesting is because designing hmm. for things at different distances. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I always thought it would be interesting as if Sketch were to add a camera or like a Z, uh, what would that be like in the <laughs> interface? <laughs> Dude. Uh, so if I could actually put things at different depths. Oh, yeah. What would that Oof. look like? It's very interesting. Uh, it would look like all of the uh, all of the images that you see on Dribble of like the tilted phones. That's yeah, what it would look like. Yeah. But then, <laughs> then you kind of get into some more usability stuff even with normal device UI. So that yes. makes sense. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that you start in Sketch. I mean, I get that it's still UI design mm-hmm. just happens to be in right. VR, but I'm, does the 3D context of VR not change the like context of the UI so much that it maybe should be designed in 3D first? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Some, things, uh, that, right? some things will make in uh, 3D first, but usually at this phase, um, uh, um, if I need to make like a wide breadth of mocks, um, I will make those things in Sketch. Uh, sometimes I'll start um, with like a like a general like concept mock in 3D. Uh, like for example, the last thing that we shipped was um, uh, and the guide experience, like when you're swiping through content, it's kind of like a carousel. We added cards that like peek out uh, from the back. And that was something that like, you know, when I'm in sketch, all I'm doing is just I'm just taking that third card and I'm making it smaller and putting it behind the card and then yeah. making it smaller again. But in 3D, you know, there's a couple, there's a lot more things that I can do where I'm actually pushing them back in the scene. So it actually looks smaller, but they're further away. Um, so yeah, you do get a lot when, like, when you actually start designing things in 3D, but if you need to make like a wide breadth of mocks and you kind of know the, uh, the feeling that you want, um, you just like flush those things out really quickly. So it kind of becomes like a wireframe tool on a sketch those. Um, so we actually, That's what it is already in, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some ways, yeah. yeah, in some ways actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's because uh, unity is um, becoming better and better as a UI design tool. Um, sketch is becoming kind of like the, the wireframe tool almost um, Interesting. with obviously some, uh, the ability to do visuals. Um, uh, but yeah, it's definitely something that you don't want to spend all your time doing because it's really easy to create flat, uh, looking, uh, mocks, which just feels uninspiring, hmm. um, in 3d. How much does that weigh on your mind as you're making stuff in daydream? Like, is this an ins- inspiring experience or mm. is it okay if this is like maybe more utilitarian. Yeah, so that's there's always the question of uh, efficiency. Like the moment that you put on the headset, there's always an opportunity to uh, to wow you. And I think the, the challenge is um, most kind of going back to like the original like TV guide experience of uh, how they used to like lay out content of all the channels and then all the times that they would show up on. Um, and those were like very efficient because you could see every single TV show that was going to be on in the next 12 hours at once. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was great. Um, and it was very efficient at doing that. Um, and it hasn't really changed all that much. Like even with Netflix and Apple TV, they really haven't changed that UI all that much in the last 40 years. Um, so it's interesting when you think about VR, it's like, why are we taking this paper type layout mm-hmm. and putting it in this 3D space? Like, why don't we make some like minority report style layout? Like, everything's <laughs> yeah, just everywhere. And I'm like using my fingers to swipe. And um, <laughs> it's, it's the challenge is, is the efficiency is gone. Yep. Uh, the ability to browse a lot of content at once uh, is lost. And you were in VR and now I lost you. Uh, so I think the the challenge is always to create something that 
um, is fun, exciting. Um, it feels 3D, but it's also uh, it lets you skip all the stuff that you. Don't yeah, it needs to be do. efficient. It needs to be efficient. Yeah. Uh, so that's when you kind of get into uh, what's called diegetics. Uh, diegetics is being able to. It's actually interesting to uh, have a conversation with somebody that loves schemorphism and talk about diegetics because diegetics is um, making UI look like it's part of the environment, uh, whereas like schemorphism is taking UI and making it look. Uh, real. <laughs> so, the, the sure. for example, if you're playing like let's say God of War, um, the UI would be uh, like there's two pillars, there's two Greek pillars, um, and the text is all like in the Greek like mm-hmm. font. Everything feels like it's like part of like an everything is papyrus, right? <laughs> everything is papyrus. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. the official typeface of the ancient. It really Roman keeps the, you yeah. in the experience when you see papyrus everywhere. Papyrus is the most immersive thing to happen in the last twelve years. I'll say. Dear God. Quote me on that. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are going to regret uh, that so <laughs> yeah, hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, diegetics, um, it, um, the reason I, I think it goes beyond schemorphism because schemorphism is mimicking uh, real life things, mm-hmm. uh, where diegetics can actually um, be things that you interact with to do a certain like function. So for example, like one of my favorites in, uh, what is that game? Um, virtual, uh, virtual, virtual reality, um, uh, job simulator. Yeah. Uh, job simulator is like really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the UI in that game is <laughs> <Which>? like really, <laughs> it's like you're, I, to say. you're simulating job experiences like but store clerk and yeah. office. But you're also <laughs> throwing things at robots, which is exactly. great. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and one of the game, one of the parts in the game, you have to, you go into the store and you're practicing being a store clerk. Trust me, it's fun. I'm not <laughs> describing like uh-huh. some weird training video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but you, uh, in order to exit that experience, you have to eat a burrito. That's called the exit burrito. Uh, so it's basically um, you're uh, you're using uh, objects uh, to uh, um, uh, yeah. guide people like through an experience, as opposed to making like a a notepad app look like an mm-hmm. actual like clipboard. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to look at how diegetics is different in VR than it is in 2D. I'm curious. <sighs> Is is the efficiency factor frustrating for you to, in terms of like we're working in a new medium? We, mm-hmm. not me, but we as as me. designers, we're, there's this mm-hmm. new medium, uh, and it seems like there's all this opportunity mm-hmm. for different kinds of things. But then yeah. it's like, right. ah, shit! It actually just turns out that everyone's used to basically an Excel spreadsheet layout, <laughs> yeah. and they just like want to point at this like yeah. grid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that frustrating, or is that, uh, is that just like, oh, like cool? We sure. Paradigm solved. Yeah. Uh, in some ways it is like when you, um, if you come up with like a pretty novel idea, it's like, yeah, I really want, um, instead of people like navigating the spreadsheet, I want them to like walk through a calendar to that certain position. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I want them to climb this mountain to go to the next page. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it really comes down to, um, uh, depending on like how much, um, I guess, experience you have and, uh, doing like usability studies, um, it really comes down to how convenient is it for people, and that to me is like the most important. When um, you first started yeah. doing VR work, were you tempted to like, yeah, it was how very, do I how was, do I be revolutionary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was very tempting uh, to want to just go like outside of the box and like make everything 3D. Um, I can finally the, be creative. I can finally break this 2D mold. Yeah, um, but you really start to realize that. Uh, uh, the patterns that people are like used to. Um, one of the things that I was blown away by was um, uh, the amount of 
prototyping I've seen like running industry around just keyboard layouts in VR. Just the, it's amazing like what um, uh, people have tried to emulate the efficiency of hmm. typing really fast. And it's interesting like to, yeah, <laughs> so it's quite fascinating to see. Have you um, seen the, there's a GameCube controller uh, yeah, with a keyboard yeah. in the middle, <laughs> yeah. mm. which was yeah. like, we want you to have a GameCube controller, but also a full keyboard. <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds efficient. <laughs> so, like, when you're playing, was it like always on there? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's like it's like it's like a really long as wide as your shoulders. Wow. It's bizarre. So you're just holding, holding a keyboard in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe you set it down on your lap. I don't know. I think they oh, did wow. something similar for uh, Xbox, right? Like they had the attachment you could plug into your oh, controller right, that was yeah. the keyboard. So you could do that with yeah. uh, PlayStation back in the day too. There was a keyboard yeah. controller. Like yeah. it was just like a keyboard and it had yeah. some buttons yeah. on it. I think. No so what are people doing in VR? Uh, so I, we have a lot of traditional keyboards. Um, uh, so not many people have published like their uh, grand ideas, but it was interesting. It was like prototype experiments. Uh, to see like what was possible, I saw like one that was like a xylophone. It was like you're just like um, you're holding a stick and you're just like tapping. Um, you're there's one where you're uh, it's like um, uh, look based, so you're like looking at the keys. Um, so if you're shit. like an Android user, you know like the swipe type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it was like or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting just to see like, the different experiments um, that have uh, taken place. But I think um, uh, stuff like that is always interesting because uh, even before the I guess like what was it like the iPhone that kind of like brought the the first like tiny handheld size on screen keyboard, um, and everybody was like, "What the hell? You have to have a real keyboard." There's no. Oh my god, <laughs> the the Balmer interview about that was yeah, like hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> so that was fascinating. But yeah, so it's interesting to try to create a three D space uh, keyboard where you don't have your fingers and you have basically a stick to type. Would you really need a keyboard? I mean, I. I guess there's certain situations where you would need a keyboard. Yeah, if but it seems like you would just replace it, interaction with something else, right? Yeah, you Talking could. Or... Exactly, exactly. If you're like searching for something, or if you're like uh, typing a message or anything like that, uh, yeah, you definitely need it. But yeah, I think it's if you're <laughs> if you're doing a lot of keyboard functions inside of VR, um, <laughs> wrong I'm curious what app you've <laughs> done goofed. <laughs> Excel VR. Excel. You fucked up. <laughs> it just says exit this program, you idiot. Exactly, Best product yeah. ever. Yeah. Infinite spread. Sheet 360 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> it's it circles back on itself. <laughs> a tier 360 God. keyboard around your body. That'd be amazing. Uh, I think for me, as like a very light VR user, mm-hmm. having just tried a handful of experiences, that right. still feels like one of the most like unfleshed out things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the example would be I, I was playing a game where you have to create a username. Right. Right, so they right. say, take your headset off. Oh, yeah. Type on the keyboard on oh, your computer man. and yeah. put the headset back on. It's like, this what? just fucked everything yeah. up. Like, what's the point? Yeah. That's <laughs> so little things like that. I don't know. I guess like putting a keyboard in would, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Taking the headset off to do stuff is just not interesting. It's not fun and it's, it's difficult. And yeah, you have to do that on multiple platforms. But um, unfortunately, there's. VR is still growing. The platforms are still growing and they still need like a lot of the uh, backend stuff to pass through a 2D app versus a 3D app. Sure. Yeah. So you said uh, with Daydream you worked on guide guides? Yeah, the guide, the, 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 guide. the home UI experience. Okay. Yeah, the, is that what you're working on today? Yeah, still working on that stuff and uh, worked on um, the casting uh, functionality, being able to cast to like a TV, um, capturing um, 
uh, screenshots in VR. Because I so actually have an Instagram account of uh, captures that I have from PC. Ah. Uh, so something I was very passionate about when um, when we were talking about how you capture stuff in VR. So it's interesting to uh, work on that. But yeah, so I'm working on the ability to capture photos and uh, videos. Tell me, what what did you come up with? Uh, it's just like a, it's similar to the other ones where you just like you're um, what we're calling button cording. You just like hold two buttons at the same time to do something. Button um, cording. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's very. So yeah. That's, maybe that's why I got into music because we're using cording. Just shorten it. <laughs> button cording. Button cording. Button cording. You just need a <laughs> you need a print print screen button in the top right oh, corner yeah. of your your VR <laughs> that, headset. That you have to take off your headset yeah. and use your keyboard for <laughs> to capture this photo. Yeah. Uh, were there other things you tried? Instead oh. of just button cording? Yeah, you know, there's obviously, uh, like, why not make it just like a real camera? Uh, something that you just, like, pull out. Hold up. Yeah, yeah it's just the challenge is that you're just, like, you're not holding a camera you hold with two hands or, like, your phone, you're holding it. You're still holding it with two hands. Uh, where this is, like, you're holding uh, basically something that's equivalent of, like, a like a TV remote. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's much easier to bring your left hand over to your right hand. And press the second button versus like having to bring it up and find your keys again. So mm. it was a when we ran some studies, it was interesting to see what was most comfortable. Uh, what kinds of studies? Uh, just like studies around like um, when people like have the headset on, they can't see their hands, right? So it's like, how do you um, uh, do something where they can find the buttons easily? Um, what are the easiest buttons to find uh, when you can't see them? Um, and then like, what does that confirmation like look like when you're in VR? So it was again, kind of going back to like, what's the most efficient way so that like, if I'm watching a scene and there's something like really beautiful happening, it's like, oh shit, I don't know how to capture stuff. And I just missed it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like the, uh, capturing stuff, uh, this was actually part of the, the study that I did. It was, uh, capturing stuff on PC is, um, really easy, but it's not as easy as the PS4 capture, which I noticed, which is like, there's just that share button, mm-hmm. which I like. The um, the switch has that too. Oh, it's it does. Like, nice. There is a dedicated like screen capture button. Right. right. Uh, so it's interesting to see how like different uh, controllers have uh, uh, prioritized that action. I've screen captured so many times on my switch already. I've yeah. never done it before on any other platform right. except for like. Why do you do it, Mac? I hit the button honestly. Like <laughs> I, I I hit it enough times. So I'm like, oh, this yeah, is great. Right. And now uh, I started playing the new Mario game last night, and there's all these like ridiculous outfits, and you can get into all these like weird like poses and stuff so Wacky i just like scenarios. screenshot it yeah yeah nice it seems like they made that so hoping you'd share it on so twitter they actually have <laughs> they have a more advanced photo shooting mode mm-hmm. that will let you make like backgrounds for your phone and right. like social Jesus. media posts and right. stuff yeah social right. media seems like right it's pretty a cool very interesting like interesting reason to have a dedicated button there's a lot of interesting like ui changes from like so the game is fundamentally a lot like super mario 64 mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. everyone knows that game um now when you capture like in that game you're getting stars right in this game you're getting moons mm-hmm. and every time you get one it shows a screen and it has the date on it hmm. which is like really interesting to me so like if you share that that screenshot like it'll tell you when it was hmm. which i think is pretty interesting huh. hmm. interesting yeah that's uh that sounds just like the uh the ps4 one or similar uh when I was playing PS4 and I upgraded to PC, sorry. Yes, Joey. <laughs> to get a lot of angry tweets side. about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, uh, that was the thing that I used uh, often. And it was actually Batman Arkham Knight was the app I was creating. A, it was a game I was creating a lot of uh, screenshots in. Um, still doing that. I still play that game a lot. 
Well, that game is <laughs> a very pretty game. It's a very crazy in VR as well. Like, there's so many things you would want to capture. Wait, that VR game uh, scared VR? the shit out of me. In Wait, VR. What, yeah, is that it, Arkham? There's, there's, there's a Arkham Batman Star. VR game. It was, Ar- it was Arkham VR. Yeah. Arkham, Arkham VR. Yeah. Right, but it's like whatever. very short, right? It's very yeah, yeah, short, super yeah. short. But like short, the detail yeah. was crazy. It I was remember very beautiful when we played it at Marshalls. Yeah, scared the shit out of me in the end. I don't think I finished it. Was that? I don't think I finished it. Yeah. Oh, you should. Yeah. It's scary at all. Oh, yeah, you won't be surprised. <laughs> you won't. There's no scares or anything. I promise. Yeah. What are you most excited about? Uh, like, as you're working on Daydream, in uh, terms of like the platform or the medium. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about like AR and to see uh, where that's going. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always appreciated AR, like even when I was uh, back at Nest, um, as something that is always. Uh, it can be complementary. It can be additive. I guess you know using the term augmented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always believed that it's something that will help um, apps beyond having to create like an entire platform dedicated to like this one technology. So I yeah. love VR as like this immersive thing. Um, and I like to equate it to like the, you know, the movie um, ex- movie theater experience list. One of the few places where you go and you just like sit there for like a couple hours when you don't have your phone yeah. and you're next to like hundreds of other people. <laughs> and but hopefully it, they're not assholes. Hopefully they're not assholes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, VR is like really fascinating as kind of like a, a deep immersive and you kind of get into like the computing opportunities with that. But AR has always been something that I think is mm-hmm. interesting as a something that can, um, uh, be there and be useful without really being, uh, the most important function on the screen. Are um, there use cases that come to mind that are particularly exciting? I know we're sort of in like this yeah. this boom right now with sure, the AR sure. kit stuff. Sure. The Magically uh, mm. team just announced that they're having like their first big open house thing, oh, which cool. they're going to oh. start showing stuff, which is interesting. Oh, nice, nice. That'll that's be exciting. Cool. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. It's always fun. They just raised the... fifty million. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I definitely think uh, um, uh, education. I'm always interested in like seeing how education can benefit from certain things. I think VR is a really powerful one for education. Being able to go multiple places, um, we used to. So I used to host these events at Google where we would uh, teach kids how to design in like an hour. <laughs> uh, so we would basically like do like design exercises uh, with these um, uh, Googlers uh, kids for like an hour, and it was amazing. Where we would think about like how do you improve your school like fifty years? Like well, if your school um, were to exist like fifty years from now, like how would that look? If it's not burned down. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we rephrased it. Thankfully, it was from, uh, it was more like Civil War Part Two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was more like how would your how does your school look like fifty years from now? Yeah, um, and it was interesting to see all these ideas that these kids came up with, and a lot of them um, uh, they were thinking about you know traveling the world, uh, seeing things that they can't see, um, and VR is like great for that stuff. Is being able to go places that you can't, but also AR can also be useful as. Um, uh, upgrading like things like textbooks or things like uh, chalkboards um, or I guess they don't have chalkboards anymore. Do they have whiteboards now? Yeah. Whiteboard. They'll call them AR boards. Next. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> so it's uh, cool. no more ghosting. No more yeah. ghosting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I back in my day, the marker would stay on the board forever. <laughs> ah, simpler day. times. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad that I won't go through school in a time period where things like the magic school bus will be like a real thing. Mm. It's like, all right, today we're going to explore. they'll have magic school buses? The digestive system. <laughs> no, you just like throw on your goggles and then yeah. you shrink down and then you get eaten by someone. Now you're inside and you're learning about the human body mm-hmm. or something. 
and you know what I'm saying? About the, learning about the human body inside the of the human body. You've seen the shows. <laughs> this is the intestines. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and now you're covered in poop because you're inside it. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. At least it's, you win. It, <laughs> we will skip the 4D effects for mm. 5D. Smells. The farty effects? Oh. Smells, yeah. Smells, eh, well, Smells textures. Part of the experience, we can avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the experience. But yeah, I think uh, AR is uh, uh, really awesome. It's, it's been somewhat invisible in a lot of different applications, and I think that's pretty cool to see. Um, being like, you know, the first downline, uh, we don't really see that as like AR. It's just. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's just like, oh, that's not like NFL AR on Fox. <laughs> the <laughs> TM, Lions TM, versus the yeah. Packers AR. <laughs> um, oh, that's a good know. point. Yeah. So it's like it also the, uh, some backup cameras actually like project uh, things onto the, onto the road, like to show you like your curvature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually available in like some. Cars that are pretty affordable, but it's not like the Toyota Corolla AR edition. AR enabled. <laughs> AR for enabled. <laughs> low monthly price. Yeah. yeah. Bluetooth and CD player. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see how it just kind of like passes under the radar um, because it's a technology, it's additive. Um, so I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Like that's so, uh, never even, I'm just naive, I guess. I never even considered that AR is just like mm. the thing that is on screen. I don't know. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, it- <laughs> Just never thought of it like I that. I wonder how far, like, how far does it have to be to con- be considered AR? So, like, mm-hmm. for example, you mentioned the, like, the road projection stuff, mm-hmm. but my car has, like, a backup cam with, like, yeah. a curve, uh, like, a parking guide thing. Sure. But it's not actually projecting anything. It's just an overlay right. on the right. screen, right. but it changes based on how you turn. The, it changes based wheel. on how you turn. So, that's the, that's probably just simple overlays, mm-hmm. um, but there's actually some that actually, like, understand, like, the cars that are mm-hmm. around them. Uh, they they can put up, like, a little red wall in between, like, oh, don't park here, uh, park over there, mm-hmm. type of thing. So, yeah, there's some cars that actually uh, um, get a little bit deep. But, yes, mm-hmm. it's important to understand that. Uh, overlays on top of camera footage is not the same as actually inserting something into a um, uh, an actual physical space. Yes, yeah, that's, good that's, distinction. Hmm. Yeah, I'd never thought about some of that stuff being AR, but I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're so wise. <laughs> Are we AR? <laughs> Whoa, dude! <laughs> Slow down. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, it'd be cool to like go back and figure out how you even ended up here because VR. I, Sunday, I huh? walked here from yeah. a lift. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, no, how I ended up in design. Uh, yeah, yeah, but like, I, I you know, where are you from? Mm, yeah. So, what did you do as a kid? What did I do? Uh, so, um. I grew up in the Midwest in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Cedar Rapids. Oh Iowa, shit! So. I've been there a bunch of times. Oh man. Oh <laughs> shit! I saw a movie about that one time. That was not filmed in Cedar Rapids. Oh. That was filmed in Michigan. That's funny. Phonies. Yeah, exactly. It's probably the same. Huh? <laughs> it's all the same to me, bud. Now tell me more about your childhood home. <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up in Cedar Rapids, uh, Iowa City, and uh, you know I have a twin brother actually. Um, and two sisters uh, and yeah it was interesting like I you know I grew up like really close to them um, my brother and I like we shared a room uh, we shared a room in college I went to school for computer science um, and I didn't like it 
<laughs> I actually left early because I was uh, so I was doing an undergrad in computer science and graphic design. Wasn't really having that much fun, so I took a job. Oh, doesn't sound like it. Yeah, <laughs> sounds pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> Were you coding before that? No. I, so I actually wanted to get into game design. Okay. Um, I was really interested in game design. Um, I was well. Let me rephrase. I really loved video games. Cool. <laughs> and I, wanted, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to make them. Yeah, there we go. Um, and I explored a lot of I explored a lot of schools. Uh, the main one was uh, Full Sail. Yeah, um, Florida, that right? one was really expensive at the time. Um, it was at the time it was expensive. It was like forty k a year yep. for an mm-hmm. associate's degree. Uh huh. Yeah, a little out of my budget, and plus it was several states away. Um, and so I went to school for computer science, thinking that was going to be like the closest thing to getting into game design. Um, because I, um, I, back then I don't, I don't know what I was using to search stuff, but there's something that I did to like learn that like, uh, programming was going to be the closest route to getting into game design. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was taking my computer science courses, like, you know, discrete math and intro to programming and, uh, learning COBOL and learning that this is not in any way <laughs> relevant to a game design career. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I actually, I left school early. Um, I actually left with only a couple classes left. Oh, um, man. And I took a internship job in downtown Iowa City where I was designing touchscreen interfaces for TVs that were sitting inside of a hotel lobby. And that was actually my first um, design job. I know it was interesting. Um, as an internship. As an internship, unpaid internship. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, those kinds. Um so that was interesting, um, but actually it was good because that's what gave me my um, uh, my break. Um, There's a lot of other things happening at the same time. Like I was, I was still like passionate about game design, so I was like drawing characters, and I had made my own website at the time. Uh, it was called Get Ready EdgeGraphics.net, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like where I was hosting like all of like my characters that I was drawing, and like I made all the lore and whatnot. And um, that was actually um, the way that I got into the internship. And from there, uh, that's when I got my job in uh, Des Moines, designing websites for small telephone companies across Iowa. Real quick, was the decision to drop out? Is that pretty hard? It was. It was hard, but it wasn't. It was actually more comfortable than uh, finishing something that I wasn't doing that great in at all, um, and uh, not really enjoying it either. Um, so I saw like the design job as like you know what this is like a better path for me. It was still scary, definitely yeah, at the time, but it was definitely feel something like a that, huge risk. Or yeah, it felt uh, at the time it did, but it um, it didn't feel like a, a step backwards. Um, it felt like the right thing to do because it was something I was definitely more passionate in. Plus, I had my brother that was uh, he was very uh, 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 motivational. Um, so you had a, support. Yeah, I definitely had some support. Um, I always strive to be like him. Uh, <laughs> so he's um, he actually well, played. you're you're twins. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we're twins. So so I'm, we're, I'm almost there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a, definitely a tough decision, and it's something that I definitely don't encourage uh, dropping out of school. But it's one of those things that uh, for me, it was it was either that or just be unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, Why don't you encourage it? Uh, it's just. I think it's something that um, uh, school can definitely be a path forward for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it can definitely give you um, a lot of uh, reputation as something that, like, you know, you stayed and like you finished. Uh, you have the accreditation from like this really big school. And uh, so definitely a lot of people benefit from that stuff. Um, I think the design industry um, was a little bit more, um, 
at the time welcoming to somebody that didn't necessarily have those credentials. Um, so I'm grateful for that. If it was anything else like finance or even, I don't know, like business, I definitely don't think that would have been yeah. <laughs> the case. But um, seems like anything else. Right, like, right. But design is still a little bit loosey goosey. Like yeah, you can still is, yeah. find your way in. Definitely a little bit loosey goosey. Yeah. We're super loosey goosey. <laughs> super goosey. That's what that actually All says goose. it on the job applications. We're a little loosey goosey <laughs> with uh, this looks like the job for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was definitely uh, something that uh, I I don't think about it a lot at all. Um, but it was definitely something that uh, um, I wish I went to school. Like, I wish I went to a design school. Um, but I actually kind of like the fact that. Uh, um, I didn't learn a lot of the traditional things that are taught. I don't even know what they are. So if you told me, I, I would have no idea. Um, well, now fast forward and you are coding. Yeah. So I'm back <laughs> to your job. Yeah, so. I'm coding for my job now. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing is I actually, um, I, I did learn a lot when I was in school. I did learn a lot of coding. And, and when I was at, uh, I had my job at Oakley in Southern California. I was a designer there. Whoa. I was actually. Fast forward and you Get yeah, ahead of, I'm, jumping ahead. Around quite a bit. I'm jumping <laughs> okay. around quite a bit. I'm jumping around quite a bit. Yeah, so I went from uh, when I was in Des Moines, I was working uh, designing those websites for the small companies, um, and then I got the job in California, uh, my first job in California, um, uh, working for Oakley. In uh, Oakley, I was designing basically the the, the homepage experiences for Oakley.com and the some of like their campaign like websites, um, and I was just I was designing and coding at the same time. Uh, so that was probably like the last job that I had where I was like still actively coding. Um, and then I joined Cuban Council, uh, the design agency. Um, and Cuban Council was probably the shortest job that I had because we moved to Portland, joined Cuban Council, moved to Portland. And a couple of weeks later, uh, the company was acquired by Google. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so <it> was shit. Like, <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was definitely um, – uh, it was definitely an interesting transition because like when I was at Oakley, I was more of like an interaction kind of a uh, programmer. When I went to Cuban Council, I became more of like a product designer because um, I was uh, I was doing more work for Google at the time. Um, and then when we got acquired by Google, I became like a full fledged like product designer. Right? I was spending a lot less time in code. I was spending more time like uh, in the design process, like doing research and uh, prototypes, uh, design prototypes. Um, so it was interesting to see how just like I spent like a lot less time coding I've spent more time like understanding like what I was making. Um, and then now that I'm back on VR, I'm like, oh, I have to code again. Huh. <laughs> so it's a little uh, like having to remember a lot of my lessons from several years ago. But uh, it's, it's definitely something I'm comfortable in. Did you like that transition from Oakley to Google, like moving away from the interaction, the coding, the hands-on need? Yes. Maybe detail stuff? Definitely. Um, definitely. It was... Um, when I was at Oakley, I guess I considered myself more of like an interaction visual designer that could code. Um, and that's how I spent most of my time during the day. I wasn't really like asking the questions of like, okay, like what user are we designing this for? Like, why are we making this? Um, and when I came to Google, that's where I got a lot of uh, tutelage from um, a lot of my peers around like spending more time in the product design phase of like understanding like your users, um, understanding like their patterns and just like, um, actually designing like the right experience for them. Um, whereas like when you're designing campaigns, it's mostly about like the brand's voice um, and wanting to like tell their story. And like, we don't really care like who we're talking to. We're just like, just put up this like campaign like website. Um, whereas, you know, at Google, you have like an entire demographic of people that you need to design for. Um, so it's interesting to like make that transition. Of, what was uh, the hardest part? 
that transition? Uh, just um, adapting to the process and spending less time executing and more time understanding. I find that part the hardest to grapple with because it mm. feels unproductive because there's not an artifact to point at. Interesting. It's like, yeah, I talked to mm-hmm. 20 people today right, and I learned right, a thing. Right, right. But then you look at your product and like, well, nothing changed yeah. yet. Yeah. But I don't know. Just, <laughs> I mean, I you, still struggle you with can that productivity. Ship feeling. things to learn as well, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, both ways. But I guess specifically around like the research right. period yeah. or like customer interviews or stuff like that. Right. Just kind of what we're doing yes. now right. just feels like. But right. we ship everything and then research with everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> a little bit of both. And then everyone complains and then we know. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. That right. thing sucked. Right, right. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, Google definitely gave me a lot of the resources I needed to like become more comfortable as like a product designer. But, you know, I've been surrounded by some pretty great uh, designers like throughout my career, uh, even before Google, even uh, at Oakley, actually two of the people that I used to work with at Oakley, we um, uh, were all, well, two of us are at Google now, one's at Facebook. Um, and it was interesting just to see uh, um, all the things I could learn from them. Is that Josh Austin? No. Uh, so he was at Oakley after me. Yeah. Uh, it was, no, it was Chris Welch and uh, Dixon. Ah. So, yeah. but it was always interesting though. Cause like before um, I came to Google, I always considered myself like a self-taught person and I'm putting like up air quotes mm-hmm. uh, because it was always something that I thought was, Oh, I didn't go to design school. I, I practice, practice, practice a lot of the things that I uh, published and, um, um, you know, I didn't really get a lot of the traditional learning that a lot of other people did. So I always like called myself like self-taught and I actually stopped using that term now because it actually, um, it, uh, um, it ignores all of the things that I've like learned from like mm-hmm. a lot of my peers, um, like the ability to like understand users, the, like the, a lot of the visual design principles. So it's really fun to think about, um, uh, I did not do this alone. It's like, uh, it's, it's like say, I learned on the fly or something like right, that. Right, right. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, oh my God, I just woke up and I just realized that I I had these like design skills. <laughs> no, it was like I, stuff that I learned over time and being called out and stuff. Yeah, I, I've heard the same thing for people that say like, oh, I'm a self-made millionaire or right, something. Right, it's like, right. like how did really? You only you? <laughs> like, only you? Did you? you just print the money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be a self-made millionaire. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, like, well, did you have employees? Right. Did you have managers? Exactly. Blah, blah, exactly. blah, blah. Yeah, so I definitely, I definitely appreciate a lot of the mentorship that I've gotten in the early part of my career because uh, it's definitely um, uh, uh, working out for me uh, now. So I'm just trying to give that back, actually, where I'm starting to mentor other designers uh, the same way that I was uh, to see if I can uh, help them along their path. Yeah. Any common patterns of of mentorship that you're finding crop up as not only as you Mm. took mentorship for yourself from from these other people but now that you're in the opposite yeah it's one thing i'm noticing is um you know it's the same thing that i did is like wanting to focus purely on like the visuals of something and just like how it looks um and actually i don't like to like uh, shoot that down because i actually think that's a really important part of the process uh, like being able to like understand like how this thing looks and feels and how people interpret that but um one thing that I just like help um, a designer do is just like help them like walk back their design. Like, like okay, who are we designing this for? Um, let's actually walk that person like through that journey of like going through your website. Like, why are they coming through that um, or your app? Um, so it's interesting to uh, help them understand that. <clears throat> yeah, visual design is important, um, but you'll actually get better at visual design when you get really good at um, 
uh, understanding like the user that you're designing for. Um, and it was actually this, it was a, <laughs> of all things, it was a post-it that helps me um, uh, mentor people. And you're, everybody's wondering like, why the hell? <laughs> it was a post-it that said, um, um, and I got this from, uh, it was Daniel Burke at the time, where it said, understand, design, build, ship. as like four umbrella parts of like the design process. And it always like helped me like understand like where I like sat in that like. He says that a bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Um, Where's that that post sitting out? I don't know. It's somewhere. He also said that in the Design Disruptors movie, which is very funny. Oh, really? Uh Yeah. It's a thing. Nice. nice. Yeah. So that's always like helped me like um, understand like, okay, what part are we in in the process? Uh, And then like delivering that to like other designers to help them like understand like where they are in the process. Um, and then we can like, you know, um, walk back their design and change some decisions if needed. Yeah. What about in terms of career path? Like you went from small things. Yeah. Like local telephone companies Mm -hmm. to Oakley on like the marketing visual interaction side. Right. And then to product design. And I find most of the, the younger designers that I talk to are like going straight from, I just want to go straight into product design. Right. Do you have any advice around that particularly? Cause you've been through this like really long transition into right. it. Right. Uh, well, my product design experience has mainly been focused around apps. Um, mm-hmm. And my advice is going to be limited to advice on apps. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that I wish uh, was different. So the one thing that I will say is don't feel like in order to be a product designer, you need to focus only on app experiences. And I think that's obviously like changing, but um, um, I definitely want people to think about product design as a process um, and as something that can be applied to anything, even if it's not visual. Um, like redesign like an like redesign a process, like if you could. Like for example, um, I want to see uh, product design be applied to um, policies. Or like government systems, um, the way we make things, uh, the way we ship things. So I think it's actually interesting to think about like how much time we spent like optimizing our process to get better output. Um, but we it's always something that serves like the end of the product or like you know, uh, something like for the customer, like whether it's like a product or a, an app or something. But I want to see something that actually like seeks out to uh, redesign um, a service. Um, and I'm thinking specifically about like um, my education um, and um, uh, yeah, education and just a general, I guess I'll call it the digital divide. <laughs> the ability, the, the fact that uh, not everyone is uh, benefiting from the same technologies uh, that mm-hmm. we benefit from. One thing that also comes to mind is uh, the abuse that like happens on like Twitter, for example. Um, I called that out like a few months ago where um, you know, it's pretty easy to see all the people of color that get abused on Twitter. Um, and I think it's actually something that you could actually spend time like designing that process of like, okay, how are people like reporting stuff? Um, what is the actual makeup of our internal resources? Um, let's examine that and let's actually like redesign the process in which things get reported, who it gets reported to. How does that change our product design strategy, stuff like that? And it's not really romantic because you're not really designing anything that's going to be visual or it's not going to get like, you know, like likes on like Facebook. It's something that is purely. <laughs> you want to get those dribble likes, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's definitely something that you're going to have to be passionate about and um, 
but I, it's definitely something that I want to see uh, uh, change. But yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of like my advice right now is like don't think of product design as sorely uh, serving the purpose of, um, of app experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the timeline, so you got acquired. The, the team got aqua hired by Google. Right. Uh, where did that put you within the company? And you were in Portland at the time, right? Yeah, we were in Portland. So you jumped for back like down. a month. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we moved from Oakley in Southern California to Portland. I skipped all of the rest of California. And now here you are, <laughs> right, right, right in the back, middle. <laughs> right in the middle. Um, yeah, that put us on the that put us all in the G Plus team. Um, so we all got uh, aqua hired into Google Plus at the time. What um, year is this? This is 2012. Oh, so this is like yeah, G plus time. Yeah, this Marshall is was it. yeah, Marshall Bach was on that yeah, team. Yeah, that's at the time, where right? Marshall. Oh, yeah, shit. yeah. So that's where Mar- Marshall. That's when um, uh, pulled uh, Chris up. Uh, he was at Chris his Welch. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then also Dixon Fong, who's now the design lead of the Google search app. Um, so we just like had this really powerful design team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually like, really proud of that team. We shipped a lot of um, a lot of great uh, features. It was just uh, the forces that will that just didn't uh, let that product go beyond like where it went. But I think it was uh, it was interesting to see uh, what we could do to try to compete with this behemoth of uh, the Facebook newsfeed. <laughs> but uh, well, the answer for Chris was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just go work just at Facebook. Him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So definitely uh, cool to see what he's doing there. But it, it was interesting just to being part of like a social network. I'm um, trying to build a tool around that. So that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, that's so I was at a G plus for a couple of years. Um, uh, it was fun to I work primarily on the stream or the, I guess the news feed um, of G plus um, also the sharing experience. Um, but uh, once tell the, me about feed design. Hmm? Tell me about feed design. Designing the stream. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. Like it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely hard. It was definitely a lot of um creating the sense that there's like, you know, there's things happening is actually like really hard without being like overly um, visual. <laughs> so one of the things that we did is that we had like rotating comments, uh, like the plus one button, like ticking up. Um, so it always, it should always feel like the, the news feed was um, uh, vibrant. And I, even after like all those efforts, um, it didn't really, it mattered, but it didn't really have like that much of like a massive effect because people weren't coming to uh, G plus for the things that they were going to Facebook or to Twitter for. And that's actually what led to like one of my final uh, like audits that I did when I was at G plus, which was uh, what makes a good social network. Um, because we were always trying to like answer that question of like, what is Google plus? Like, what is it like? What does it do? Um, and it was kind of the wrong question because it's a social network. That's just like what it is. That's just mm-hmm. what people gather. But the real question is like, what is it good at? Um, so I started to examine what is Instagram good at? Like, what is Twitter good at? What is like Facebook good at? What is Pinterest good at? At the time, what was Path good at? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was pretty clear. It was like pretty obvious that people had very specific reasons like why they were going to these networks. Um, and Twitter, even though it's somewhat of a different product today, is still uh, the it still was like the breaking news network. Like that's where people went to like confirm like breaking news or like see what was happening. People went to Instagram to see uh, the beautiful photos that people were sharing. Uh, people were going to Path for like I don't know what was it, like the intimacy. People were going to Pinterest to like pin stuff, and it was interesting to see how they structured their navigation to reflect that purpose, and how the share button was always located in a certain position to reflect what you should be sharing there. Um, uh, and I brought that question back to G plus like, okay, like what are people coming there specifically to do? 
and the use cases were just really, really similar to Facebook's. Um, and with the disadvantage of like having all the users on Facebook, <laughs> you know, there's huh. it creates that you know yeah. that issue, that friction. Uh, so it's interesting to see that you know um, because these other apps are doing quite novel things that allows them to be uh, different and unique than what uh, Facebook is basically offering us, like the the behemoth of like a social network. Uh, so it's quite fascinating to see um, uh, how no other network has hit that level, but they can still do like niche stuff like Snapchat now. Like they just kind of came out of nowhere, but yeah. they're doing that whole like, you know, destructive post type thing. So I think the, um, uh, it's interesting to see um, uh, where that all led. So that was, that was at least healthy for me um, uh, to see um, what we had to focus on. Well, now G plus is co- a community platform, right? Yeah. It's like a community platform, like interest-based communities. Yeah. And so that, research was kind of centered around that. It's like, okay, what do we need to like do to be different than like these other networks? And it was, okay, let's go like this interest route, mm-hmm. this, uh, this uh, interest-based uh, pivot. But it was, so then that's when I started to study uh, Pinterest a little bit more because in- Pinterest is, has interest in their name. That's what they're all about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Don't know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, that's what their product was all about. So it was interesting to uh, look at them and see how they structured their UI. And they were probably the most unique where uh, there really is like no metadata attached to their posts. It's just like a image. And that sets the precedent of like what you should be posting there. It's just like constant, beautiful imagery that your life will never like look like, right? It's just like this insane <laughs> it's an aspirational mood board. platform, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. But you you look at um, how the consumption navigation was structured on the bottom. It was like you know um, my things, my it was like my posts, and then like explore, and then there was no share button at the time. There was no share button on mobile. Because if you put a share button on mobile, you're going to get like instantaneous posts like of me, like taking a picture of you, taking a picture of you and like posting it on Pinterest. They wanted like high fidelity creation. So their uh, their upload was on PC or on was on desktop. So it's like the opposite on uh, Instagram, right? Exactly. Like you can't upload photos can't. from desktop. Exactly. Because it would be more flicker. likely to upload like a photoshopped exactly. uh, marketing image or something. And that's Flickr. <laughs> so, it's, so, yeah. so it's interesting. To, and there we go. And every, there we go. Every yeah. gap has been filled. <laughs> yeah. And it also exists with like other apps, like non-social networks, like uh, Yelp versus um, like another tool, let's say, um, I don't know, uh, Foursquare at the time. Um, Foursquare, I believe at the time you like you could post reviews like immediately, like when you're at the restaurant. Yelp, you had to like write like a really long review just to find like your rating. Um, so it's interesting to see like what kind of reviews landed on their uh, their businesses. Yeah. Um, and there's actually complaints of uh, businesses. I just heard this on NPR because I'm a distinguished individual. <laughs> because I'm an intellectual. Yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, where people, where businesses were complaining, it was actually specifically the medical industry where they um, are n- unhappy about the reviews that they're getting on Yelp because they're experience-based where like, uh, who's going to have a good experience at a hospital? Exactly. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm so I, sorry. So that impacted yeah. me like two weeks ago. So yeah. I was looking up places to go, like what are good doctors? Every place has like one star. Exactly. One star. I'm like, yeah. wow, this place must yeah. suck. Same right. with insurance reviews, like medical yeah. insurance reviews. Right. Right. Everyone Except, hates right. them. They're like, right. you're taking my money. Right. But then right. you realize everything is one star. So like yeah. 
one and a half stars is the equivalent <laughs> like, of like a five star. It's oh, like, oh man. shit, they're doing yeah. something good. They got that extra half star. Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting to see how like the reviews are reinforcing the type of service that people are providing. Yeah. Um, but it's also uh, kind oh. of um, uh, yeah. disappointing because it's there's also another type of review system, which is kind of like the, I guess it's like the DoorDash style one where if you don't give it a perfect five stars, ask, tell us why. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's another model that you can kind of look at, but you can't really use that for medical either because it's like, it's like, oh yeah, I found out that I have cancer and it's a five star experience. So it's like, that's not <laughs> they really. They told me really nicely. Yeah. So it's, it's not really the review systems have a limit. Yeah. Right? And, but businesses are all being bucketed and atomized in like side of the single. Well, service. they were all very nice and professional, but yeah. I, I have cancer now. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the so it's gonna be an interesting challenge to see uh uh how you deatomize yeah. different types of businesses and how the review system works differently. But so that was, it was always that's what I guess was fun about that audit of like understanding not what it is, but what is it good at. Yeah. It yeah. gets into the uh, all the little mechanics that like uh, reinforce that thing that people come back to your service for. So yeah, Yelp, even though it's not a social network. Uh, has the same repercussions. Sure. Right. So how long did you stay on the G Plus team? Two years. And then uh, I was there for two years. Uh, worked on the stream primarily the whole time and sharing. Um, and then I jumped over to Nest. Nice. Yeah. Nest was... Is uh, that around acquisition time then? No, this was after they were pulled into Google. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was like, oh, well, they're already here. Well, they were already there, but that's, that would have been, what, 2014? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I joined them like late 2014. Um, that was right around when they shipped the new Nest Protect, the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took over that product. Cool. Um, so that was interesting. That was it was an interesting. That was like so. That was my first job where I got to design around hardware. Yeah. Um, and that's actually the first opportunity that I had to actually pick <laughs> my next location. Very. Uh, in a very calculated way because before like when I was uh, I didn't join I didn't like say like oh I want to go apply to Google I landed in uh, Google uh, thankfully and um, you know I um, I applied obviously for the Keeman Council gig uh, but I set I set out to like join like a hardware company um, when I was leaving G plus and thankfully Nest was already part of Google so that was nice to be able to say like you know what that's what I want to learn next um, is hardware um, so that's where I landed. And so I took over the Nest Protect product. Um, and, uh, it was interesting to design around that, like such a heavily regulated <laughs> product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was nice to be able to shift the type of experiences that I was creating, uh, for people like where before, you know, like when you're designing stream interfaces for like a social network, it's all about like bringing people back and giving people the sense that there's something that they're missing and something that there's new to do. You know, like uh, there's always something that you're missing. Yeah, it's really gross to say, but that's really the that's really the goal. But when you're designing like a smoke detector, it's like I'm not asking you to like come back and like stand underneath it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's best. Please if, rate this. If you never, <laughs> it's best if you never use it. Here's a stream of all the times that you're. Yeah, thing. how fiery was it? Yeah. <laughs> Rate the fire. Is it a five? If it wasn't five oh stars. Oh my God. <laughs> Your house is on fire. Push notification. <laughs> so it was interesting to, yeah, design like a safety product. Um, and that was the last project that I did before I exited reality. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, but it was. Um, yeah, so you're was... like, I'm done with this world. I've done software. I've done hardware. Yeah. I want to do 
virtual reality. But I want to do it in sketch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. But I'm still pretty down with this uh, sketch thing that exactly. everyone's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun being at uh, uh, Nest at the time. That was... Yeah, I think Sketch like came out when I was there. Yeah, and that was actually quite the 2. challenge 0, of like yeah. getting people to like switch like or Photoshop. Sketch three, uh, yeah, three yeah. was one that took off, right? Maybe, like yeah. two was pretty. I I used two was like early adopters. One yeah. was like I used yeah. two Mitch. because I was on a yeah. MacBook Air and I couldn't run Photoshop. Mm, yeah, yeah, that was quite the challenge to switch the team to Sketch. Uh, but yeah, is I I love it. But it was uh, it's definitely helped um, in. Uh, uh, speeding up the process quite a bit that in principle have been my go-to tools and that kind of gets back into like um you know before when i was designing and programming i was bouncing back and forth between photoshop and what was it at the time textmate and uh dreamweaver <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, but now like and that was like the only way that you could create prototypes at the time was to uh, design it and like build out the rest of it in code um, and now, like with principle, it gives me um, the ability to focus and spend more of my time quickly making uh, mocks. And the nice thing about that is also that I'm able to dabble in motion. So I'm actually getting better at motion design and prototyping. Um, uh, I should say I'm getting better at motion design via prototyping. Yeah. Um, uh, as a result. And I think that's really fascinating because before it was always kind of like this veneer that you like add onto mm. the end. It's like, oh, like this is where the button is and how do we make it move? <laughs> now it's like, this is actually informing users like how to use the UI. Um, so it's actually, I still use principle even for like some of my VR stuff where I actually do some little tricks with masking to make things feel like they're in 3D in principle. I, I used principle once for some bumpers on a video, which was like Ooh, really great. Nice. Yeah. It's just super convenient for it's it. It's really easy. Yeah. So Instead of learning after effects for yeah. every small thing. Yep. 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 Exactly. Exactly. So it was definitely a, a powerful tool that enables people to uh, get better at prototyping, which in turn improves their in- interaction design skills um, and helps them make faster, makes better decisions. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to VR though, you got to, <laughs> spend time in 3D mm-hmm. uh, so that you can make better decisions in 2D. Mm. Right. Um, or I should say you can make better decisions in the 2D apps. Yes. Yes. Uh, we're pushing our, our time a little bit. Cool. Um, we like to, to wrap up by asking what keeps you up at night. Uh, the current state of the world. Yeah. The never You know what? Yeah. That's like the the answers. Mm-hmm. In 2017. No <laughs> the answers this year have yeah. almost always been the state of the world sure in 2016 the answer was almost always like am i doing good work or something sure. like yeah. it's just totally changed yeah and i mean it's um um as a uh, black man going through the tech industry it's never always uh been uh buttery <laughs> but it's uh definitely uh this year has had a toll um i think it's an ampli- it's a mix of uh the current political climate and the fact that things just don't seem to want to change. Um, so this year, even though um, uh, I'm working in like VR, which is somewhat of like an entertainment industry, I have been spending more time thinking about uh, how could I use like my design skills for uh, something that could um, resolve some of these long lingering problems that have been inherited since the uh, the Jim Crow uh, era. But I think... Um, uh, uh, there's a lot of people that are uh, much more active than me that I'm still studying, but uh, it's definitely something that like uh, I see design as like something that the process 
could help um, uh, make aware some of the issues um, at hand, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, either through, um, you know, uh, you know, a designer like sitting in like with the right amount of people, like whether they be, you know, like senators, council members and whatnot. But I think um, there we have to find a way to evangelize this process and put it in the hands of people that have the real power um, and then get more representations, more representation uh, in the rooms where all the decisions are being made. Um, yeah, because for a lot of people, just life hasn't changed in like 50 years. Um, so I definitely want to uh, see what I can do there so that um, uh it doesn't it's not like that 50 years from now it's so, certainly exacerbated by the digital divide that you were yes. referring to earlier right so. yeah yeah we definitely um uh you know designing tech tools all day can definitely add to that um there's a certain piece of me that's just like you know i'm uh it was definitely hard like getting here to like this point i'm like really glad that i like, made it this far mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time like i feel like i have to do something but at the same time i don't want to be the only one and nor should um, black and brown people um, be the only ones like contributing like to that, right? So mm-hmm. I want to find a way um, uh, to where um, uh, we all feel like empowered to like do something. So I think um, uh, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing a lot of, um, I've been having a lot of conversations like with people outside of the design industry to see um, what are some things that are that they're encountering in like their process. Um, Anything insightful them. from those conversations? Not, not yet. It's yeah. the, the one of the first. Um, so my parents work in medicine. Uh, my parents were both nurses, um, and it was interesting to see how um, you know. Being like a registered nurse at like a hospital, you don't really have like much control over the healthcare industry, but you just get to see like where they are in that like spectrum of like how much control they have over like the medicine that they give to people and how doctors play a role in prescribing like medicine. And so it was interesting to see. So I just like to learn more and more about that. But the more I do, the more I realize that it's like, man, this stuff is just ingrained. Um, so it's really difficult. But um, um, yeah, I don't know. So I think... I think for anyone, just like be aware of like the skills that you have and be aware of like uh, where you can see yourself making the most effective amount of change um, and apply like your skills to that. Um, mine, I guess, like the most time I've spent beyond like the health uh, care around my, what my parents are doing is probably education. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to uh, improve that a little bit, but it's a small drop in a bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Let's see. Screw this reality. Screw this reality. I'm going to. There's a better one. Yes. Squirrels. Let's make a better one. Or purple. <laughs> Squares, squirrels or purple. Yeah. Square. Yeah. So I think the. Um, I like what you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty fun space. Um, yeah. Thanks for taking the time. To, Absolutely. To Thanks for having chat. me. Really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate so, it, man. Yeah. That was 221. Thanks so much to Chikizi for coming and hanging out with us. I'm glad we finally got him on the show. Thank you to you for listening. If you liked the show, tell us on Twitter or go write us an iTunes review or something like that. It's all good. Uh, go follow Chikizi. He's awesome and he's very funny on Twitter. He's at C-H-I-K. I followed him for a while. He's very funny. If you enjoyed the episode, let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM or come hang out in our Spectrum community at spectrum.chat slash specfm. Of course, before we go, huge thanks to Webflow and Fuse for making this episode possible. Stop drawing pictures of UI. Just start making UI with Fuse actually ship your prototypes they can be real types real o types 
on iOS and Android using native code. Uh, huge fans. Go check them out at fusetools.com. If your team's ready to upgrade to the professional plan, use the promo code DD. That'll get you 70% off for 12 months. Pretty good think, deal. Do you think Fusel trademark relotypes? Because that's a pretty good... Relotypes? Yeah, relotypes. No more prototypes, just relotypes. Unless we TM it first. TM, 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 TM. Thanks again, Fuse. Our second sponsor, once again, Webflow. Go check out Interactions version 2. It's at webflow.com slash ix2. If you want to make a website without touching a line of code, now with crazy cool animations and effects, and of course, responsive by default, that's at webflow.com. Super stoked on their work. And check out Interactions too. Thanks once again to Webflow. And we'll see you next week.